Welcome and today on the Flyover Conservative Podcast, we have your expert for all things that 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 concern you concerning money. 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 Big deal. Sing money, the money, money song. Money. Money. It's 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 a big deal because there's no concern quite like a money concern. That's it's with you true. when you're you're in the shower, you're driving your car, Just walking trying to sleep at night, walking your dog, and you got a lot of information coming yeah. at you from a lot of different directions. Today we have a gentleman that has not one but two PhDs and uh, here to break it down for you. So our economic expert, Kirk Elliott. Yay, welcome, Dr. Kirk. Hey, Woo! great to be back. <laughs> heavy, heavy on the doctor. If those of you got to find your work and to, to, to research what you're doing a little bit, you can go to kirkelliotphd.com forward slash flyover and yep. uh, it, it kind of begin gathering information here. This is a, 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 a crazy time, probably more than ever. You've been at this a long, long, long time, but, but more than at any point in history, there's shifts that, that don't take decades to play out. It's like weeks things are, are changing. So so kind of catch us up. What's going on? Well, okay. So when I did my dissertation um, a while ago, I, I created a, a new model for measuring inflation for, for central banks um, because the CPI numbers are bogus. So the CPI numbers, the you know, consumer price index, the way that it works, it's like a basket of goods, right? There's like 30 goods in there. And they would measure things like steak, for example. For, so from point A to point B, how much did steak go up? And how much is, is that of the con- total you know, consumer price index? Mm-hmm. How much did cars go up? How much did you know whatever go up? Well, during the Clinton administration in 1996, he, they decided – so many of the, the entitlement programs that we have are based on the official inflation rate. Let's just try to figure out a way to lower the inflation rate so government expenditures can go down. Party of the people, right? Just kind of sticking it to the retired people and the people who needed assistance programs that we don't want to pay out that much welfare, right? So, so it was a mechanism that Clinton put together to actually put substitution bias and other things into the consumer price index. So here's how it works. Let's say steak went up, you know, from point A to point B, 50%. They said, oh, we can't have that. We need inflation to go down. So they replaced it with hamburger. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So what did that do? Well, the price of hamburger was like 30% less than steak. So instead of saying that the price went up 50%, they said the price of steak went down 30%. See, and they do this over and over and over again. It's called substitution bias, which makes the consumer price index completely bogus. Mm -hmm. So I developed an algorithm for for actually measuring inflation. And what it comes around to is if you multiply the core inflation rate that times 2.8, it gets you the real inflation. So what is core inflation right now? CPI is 4.5%. Multiply that times 2.8, you're pushing 12%. John Williams at Shadowstats, basically has a different methodology for measuring. But came up with the same number. It's like, all right, good company. I guess we got the same number. That's pretty cool. So, but, but why is this matter? If your investments don't actually outpace inflation, you're losing money every, every single wow. year. Right. So, so if, if you're not getting at least 13% a year on your return, you're, you're losing money. So, for example, I've got so many clients right now, they're they're getting jittery about the markets. They're saying, oh, the stock market is going to collapse in October. I'm feeling kind of scared. I'm just going to sit on the sideline and sit in cash. Okay. Do you remember back in 2009 when we had the big stock market, you know, correction, mm-hmm. right? 
when people said, Hey, I'm, I'm getting, I'm feeling really squirrely about this. I don't like what the markets are doing. I've lost so much money. I'm just going to take a defensive posture and sit in cash. My answer back then was awesome. That's what you should do because the back then cash was the safest asset because there was really no inflationary pressures back then. But today, with inflation at 13%, you sitting in cash, what does that mean? You're losing 13% a year. 13% mm. a year. Wow. So, 13% so you keep, a year. Yeah. So you keep that for five years. You just sit in cash for five years. You lose 65% of the value of your initial investment because that's 13% a year, right? Yeah. That's five. It's like 65. So, so what does that mean? It means if you had 100000 and you just kept it in cash for five years, well, it's now worth going to be worth about 45,000, right? Mm -hmm. That's a guaranteed loss. The only way that anybody can actually make sure that their money outlasts them over time is to one, control your spending. <laughs> don't, don't spend like a drunken sailor. But number two, make sure that your investments are outpacing inflation or else you're going to lose. You have to have both of those going on at the same time. So where are we right now? Well, the stock market, it's held together with stimulus money. Really, there's there's the stock market is, is a reflection of one thing and one thing only, and that's revenues. When people spend money, their earnings go up. When earnings go up, so do price to earnings ratio, and therefore the price of the stock will go up. If revenues come down, stock market takes a digger. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what we're facing right now is because it's not there's really no revenues other than stimulus money that are keeping it afloat. Nobody's working. Look right. at, look at, mm -hmm. I mean, look at the, all the job losses because of COVID and the government's just paying mm -hmm. them to stay home, which by the way, creates inflation yep. because when you print money without any tangible backing and you just print, 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 print without discretion, it cheapens that currency. It devalues it. It's like monopoly money and it's mm -hmm. going to take more of that devalued currency to buy a valuable good and service, right? So, wow. so this is a problem. This is what inflation, to me, people define inflation wrong. Inflation isn't really rising prices. That's a symptom of inflation. Inflation is nothing more than an increasing money supply because it takes more of that inflated, deflated currency yeah. that causes price inflation because it's, it's cheap currency buying good stuff. So this is the problem that we have. You know, and, because, and, and people don't see it necessarily because they look at their account like, well, I still have, you know, 187000 in in my account. You know, it, it's worth that amount. Those numbers don't necessarily mean the same thing. You know, it would. It you would, mean because of what it can buy? Because of when you take it out, what can you do with it? You mm -hmm. can do less with that same money. Is that is that what yeah. you're saying? Um, and here, yeah, here's the so, here's the headlines we're looking at: inflation to rise faster than previously projected. I think everybody knew there's going to be a lot of inflation when you yeah. increase. How could it be any higher than when we you increase it was the money be. supply like thirty percent in a year, year and a half, or something, or you know whatever the numbers are? You you don't have to. You don't need two PhDs to figure that out. You know, and now they're saying more than what we thought. Well, there's a double whammy to that too, because that what we just talked about is just the the effect of of a declining value currency, you know, chasing scarce goods and services. But what we also have is supply chain disruption because people mm -hmm. aren't working. So you've got, you've got food, you know, producers in, in Texas and everywhere else that are in New Mexico that are creating, you know, growing what tomatoes and whatever else they're growing, they're rotting in the fields because 
the workers can't work because they're not getting vaccinated because they don't want to. And so now these, these truckers, there's no, there's no distribution lines. Mm -hmm. So the stuff is just sitting there rotting. There are, there are cargo containers in the port of Long Beach, for example, coming from China that, that they're just sitting there. Yeah. A one of two reasons. China says, look at all the inflation in America. We're actually going to hold this stuff back for a little bit because in a, in a month it might be 2% higher price, right? Mm -hmm. They're looking at the inflationary pressures or you've also got the problem of once it gets there, there's no drivers to distribute it to the rest right. of the country. Right. It's just sitting there. It's just simply just sitting there. You're so exactly that's right. look at that. Just like you said, price and inflation as well. An yeah. all-time high, 56 cargo ships are stuck waiting off the California coast as shipping ports hit their record, fourth record backup in three weeks. Yeah. What a mess. It, it, it is a mess. And, and we all are paying the price mm -hmm. because of two things that we just talked about. Number one, um, indiscriminate printing of money mm -hmm. uh, without any kind of tangible backing. And number two, the, the, the COVID fears, which is simply just the flu. It's the flu. Mm -hmm. Granted, it, it, you know, people are getting sick from it, but it's just the flu. But you don't it, shut down the global economy because but of the, the flu. The, the, the protocols, it does affect everything in shipping. I, I just read a story. The guy that owns um, or the, the CEO of uh, Dollar General, he was talking about it. It gives a real life example. He goes, a lot of their stuff's coming from China back and forth. And he goes, there's there's a, a shipment. Uh, one of the passengers on the cargo, I mean, you see those cargo ships, they're full of boxcars, basically, mm -hmm. those big, you know, shipping containers. One of the the passengers tested positive for COVID, so instead of docking in China, in China, the whole ship had to go to Malaysia, get a new crew, return it back. Instead of a thirty day cycle, it was a seventy eight. Uh, no, that was almost three months. He said it was almost a, th a three month addition mm -hmm. to what that whole route would have taken. And now you got lots of them just sitting out on the ocean, anchored because there's no uh, way to bring them in to dock because there's not enough workers to unload, mm -hmm. you know, the equipment to make it all happen. It's like, there's such a domino effect to all of this, but how, so how do those supply chains though directly affect somebody from an investment standpoint? If I'm sitting there and I'm holding on to, I have a hundred thousand dollars in an investment account. And I, I, if I'm deciding what to do with it, like what difference does all this make? Well, okay. Um, Americans are living at the margin. You know, most of America is one to two paychecks away from bankruptcy. So when you add what add up the things that are that are actually impacting that and hurting Americans, number one, you have higher taxes under a Biden administration. Mm -hmm. So that lowers your bottom line. So automatically people don't have as much money to spend when taxes are higher. You've got slowly increasing interest rates, which increases the cost of borrowing. So anybody who, who has to borrow, put money on credit cards or whatever to buy stuff. Now, that's more expensive. Now you add price inflation. So all those ships sitting there, how, how is a price determined? Well, prices go up if there's really high demand. So mm -hmm. higher demand will cause a higher price. Prices also go up with their, if there's lower supply, right? So what if you have higher demand and lower supply at the same time? <laughs> prices go through the ceiling. Yep. And that's what we're mm -hmm. seeing. That's just economics 101. When you see a, a chart with like supply and demand economics, it's like, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Higher demand, lower supply, both equal higher prices. And that's what we're seeing. So now we've got this, this triple whammy of an impact. Higher taxes, lowering people's bottom line. Higher prices, meaning they can't afford as much. Higher cost of borrowing means they can't borrow as much. That means 
the stock market is going to get hit pretty hard because of declining revenues. When people don't spend money, it's, it's a problem. But here's, it's a domino effect. So when people don't spend money, what else comes down? Sales tax revenues for municipalities. What else? When, when, when sales tax revenues go down because people don't spend, people lay people off. So now income tax yeah. revenues come down, right? Well, what else, what else are we, are we seeing? Well, we've got sales tax, we've got incomes. Oh, what if people can't afford to buy a house, right? Well, now property tax revenues are going to come down if people aren't, aren't buying as much. So, so these things that might seem kind of just like individualized, no, everything all works together to create this kind of a mess of an economy that we have. But we just had something that happened this weekend um, that I could think could really impact the, the real estate market and lending in general in America. And that's the, the Evergrande thing that, that's happening in China. The largest real estate company in the world um, is possibly defaulting on its $85 million interest only payment. Okay. How big is the loan when your interest only payments $85 million? It's happening over and over and over again, right? So, so this is a big deal. It's such a big deal that when you have that much um, capital that, that would supply an $85 million interest only payment, there's over 170 banks, a lot of them U.S. banks that, that have invested in, in this Chinese real estate company. This doesn't just affect China. Yesterday, um, we had... Uh, the Japanese stock market sell off big time. Chinese stock market sell off big time. European stock market sell off big time. The, the Dow Jones Industrial Average came off 600 points because of this is just the beginning. It's like a contagion um, coming from China. Oh, no, we've had another contagion. Yeah, coming just kidding. This one's a financial one, right? Mm -hmm. um, but this is going to have dramatic impacts. So when you start to put together things that seem like they're just individual events. No, everything is, is interrelated. Mm. So, so are our freedoms, right? Like we have political freedoms, we have economic freedoms, we have religious freedoms, we have personal freedoms, we have health freedoms, right? Yeah. Here's, here's the thing. If we lose one of them, we lose all of them. That domino that, that you're they're talking all, about. They're, mm -hmm. they're all intertwined. Mm -hmm. So this is why it's so important that, that we fight for our freedoms. I mean, all these things, I can't, so what, I don't even know how to really say it, but economics is the study of choice, right? That's, that's all it is. It's not necessarily numbers. It's a study of choice. For every choice that you make, you're foregoing something else. That's mm -hmm. your opportunity. Cost. So what are you giving up by choosing what you're going to do right now? By us choosing um, comfort over, over chaos, we're giving up our freedoms, Right. People saying, oh, we're going to take this vaccine because we don't want to get sick. I mean, you're giving up potentially all kinds of things. Um, so all that economics is, is simply the study of choice. All choices have a consequence. All consequences have an outcome, right? So when you look at it that way, and I tell my kids this all the time growing up, um, it's like, you can make that choice, but you're not going to like the outcome, mm -hmm. right? right? Same thing with adults. When you spend too much money, well, you're going to have to file for bankruptcy. Yep. When you don't invest while you're young and you have money during these, these years of earning, well, you're not going to have money in retirement. And you're going to, I wish, I wish I would have made different choices. So 
I, I did this. One of my favorite speeches I've ever given It's called the $2 million cup of coffee. Right. And so for all of you Starbucks lovers out there, so sorry, <laughs> replace this with something else because we all have a Starbucks in our life. Right. Yep. But, but, but here's the deal from, if you go to Starbucks every single day and you buy a Frappuccino, let's say, let's say it's $4 and 61 cents. That's what the number was in, in this report. You did that every single day, five days a week. Um, how much did that cup of coffee cost you? Man, was it really four dollars yeah. and one cents a day? No, from the age eighteen to sixty-five, if you did that, you know, every single day, five days a week, um, and you you had a compound interest rate growth of twelve percent a year, that cup of coffee cost you two million dollars. Oh my god! So if you didn't drink coffee, that it was just four dollars and sixty-five cents a day. What's Man. your Starbucks? Is it is it candy? Is it um, maybe cable TV? What is it? What is it that that we're spending money on? Four dollars and sixty one cents a day equals two million dollars in retirement, right? Was it worth it? Well, maybe it was. Maybe coffee was that important to you that it was worth it. But you know what? When you start looking at it, at there's consequences to your actions down the road. I bet it wasn't worth it, right? Right. Probably, probably not. And so this is where we have to start thinking right now. And as a believer, I think with eternity in mind, right? Um, for our finances, we have to start thinking about retirement even now before it's too late. Right. So this brings us back, David and Stacy, to the initial question that you asked. Um, well, about inflation, right? Mm-hmm you have to grow faster than the inflation rate. What is growing faster than the inflation rate over time? Well, it, I did the, I did an exhaustive research study and I can send it out to any one of your listeners. You can just go to my website and, and find it. It's, it's in comparative asset class where I compared stocks, bonds, real estate, um, CDs, gold and silver since the year 2000. Okay. You know what the number one asset in the world has been over the last 21 years? Silver. So, it averages about 11.7% wow. a year over that time. Gold is a very close second. The stock market is third. Wow. When you take out inflation, the stock market's just about zero. It's a zero-sum game. You're basically just slightly growing more than inflation. Every of the other ones, CDs, bonds, and even real estate, you don't even keep up with inflation over the long haul. That's what this number, this research study said. So people say, well, silver, they're, they're too, they're too volatile, right? It's not what the numbers show. Mm -hmm. You, you hear that narrative because generally people that are, that are stockbrokers, paper, like Merrill Lynch, your, your Schwab's, your, your, they don't sell gold and silver. So they poo poo it. Right. But they control the, um, yeah, they control media. Right. Where, where people who just sell gold will sometimes poo poo stocks and bonds because they don't sell them. Right. People are, have a bias. I don't care. We can do all of it. I don't, I don't care what we're in as long as it's the right place at the right time. All we have to do is control our spending, invest in something that grows faster than inflation. And you know what? We're going to win. We're going to win this game called life, but we've got more inflationary pressures coming. I mean, mm -hmm. you would, that, that article that you said from, from what it said that inflation is, is actually less then it's, it's going to be more than what more we than thought. Expected, yeah. More than projected. Mm -hmm. Epic times. Two reasons for that. I'll give you one that's happening today and I'll give you one that's, that's occurring over time. So the one that's occurring over time 
is over the last 12 months, all commodity prices are up more than 49%. That's the lowest, like coffee is up 49% the last 12 months. Steel, copper, soybeans, wheat, <laughs> natural gas, oil, um, all of that is up over 49%. So because of COVID, we've got inventories uh, it's still on the shelves, like at Walmarts and at, and at all the Targets and at the manufacturers. We haven't bought all that, but we're extinguishing that pretty rapidly now. So when that goes away and manufacturers have to remanufacture the TVs mm-hmm. that we buy at Best Buy, yep. what do they have to manufacture it with? All these commodity prices that are up over 49%. So what happens when you go back to Best Buy six months from now and the TV is like 1700 bucks? And you say, I just got it for a thousand six months ago. What gives? Well, it's because they have to remanufacture at higher prices that are extreme. Inflation's being masked because we're still exhausting existing inventories. So that's one. Number two is look what's happening today. The Federal Reserve uh, Board of Governors is, is meeting, right? And they're they're giving what they think inflation and interest rate expectations are moving forward. But one big thing, that's the headline on CNBC today, the Fed will try to soothe markets Wednesday while preparing investors for an end to bond buying. Okay, that's a big deal. So how much bonds does the Federal Reserve buy of U.S. Treasuries? About $160 billion. <laughs> let me see. Let me look at the number. I don't want to mislead people. It's $120 billion a month. $120 billion a month? Billion a month that the Fed buys of U.S. Treasuries. They're the largest owner of U.S. Treasuries on the planet, the Federal Reserve is. And they use money that they print out of thin air to buy it, right? It's, they just, it's pretty sweet gig. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what does that mean? When they are tapering that down and they're no longer going to buy bonds, there is really no demand for, for U.S. bonds around the world. China has been not, not just not buying, they're selling our bonds for the last four months. There's really no demand for bonds at all. Who's going to fund the nut that we need to crack every month in America to make ends meet? The U.S. consumer's not doing it. Now, the Fed's not going to be doing it. They're not buying bonds. A lot of the rest of the world is not buying our bonds. Who's going to buy our bonds? How do, how do we actually make money as a country? Oh, you know what? They're going to stop buying our bonds. They're just going to have to print money like it's going out of style. This is where inflationary pressures right now with the with what we're seeing the Federal Reserve talk about is going to cause even more inflationary pressures. So you know what? We need to protect ourselves, right? We don't have to sensationalize the news. The news is the news. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the world. <laughs> it's yeah, it's it naturally it, yeah, occurring, it right? It comes yeah. pre-sensationalized. It does. It, it does. It's pre-sensationalized. So, but what we get to do is be wise stewards of what we given. We weren't born with a spirit of fear. We were given a spirit of a sound mind and discernment and wisdom. And when we act like that mm-hmm. and we identify these trends that are happening, Remember, every choice has a consequence. Every consequence is a different outcome, right? Mm-hmm. Gobble up gold and silver. I'm, I'm serious. Silver especially. They are the best predictors of inflation. They're the best protectors against inflation because they're tangible assets that are liquid and they go up during inflationary pressures. Everything we've been talking about is shows about inflation. Well, you know what? Protect yourself from it. That's why I can have a smile on my face. Because even though our freedoms are eroding and the foundations around us seem to be crumbling, you know what doesn't have to erode? Our finances, if you right. make the right choice. Right. Um, but but sometimes choices are hard, like the coffee thing. Mm-hmm. Choose not to. 
If you want to have a good retirement, start saving now. Start doing something that actually makes sense. And this is where we can really navigate through this successfully and thrive and not have to have yeah. a frown on our face all the time or stick our head in the sand like an ostrich and say, if I don't think about it, it just won't happen. Right. <laughs> that mm. doesn't work. It doesn't work. That, so true. Man, that is such great advice. Dude, I, I could listen to you all day because you make a ton of sense. And I you love do. it. You, you're, you're like the financial version of Dr. Sherwood, who we have on here, because he, he Dr. Mark Sherwood comes at everything. No matter what is like, you know what? God, God is the supreme truth. And, mm-hmm. and, and let's first approach this with prayer and, and not be fearful because it, it's never good to make a great health choice or a financial decision when you're full of fear mm-hmm. and anxiety. I mean, it, it, it clouds your judgment. And so first of all, you come at it with, with peace and say, hey, in the midst of this, there's an opportunity if you maintain a sound mind. That's exactly right. And that's what we love about you, uh, Dr. Kirk. Truly, that's how you approach it. You know, I love that your whole thing is people over profit. It's all about the people and you're all about maintaining these customers and clients for life. You know, it's not about making a sale. It's about how can I help this person and have a relationship with them and help them for the rest of their life. Absolutely. I'm, I guess I'm just wired different, right? I've been that way since a kid, but but I had, I had great mentors in my life. But even right out of grad school, it's like I thought about people. I've never really thought about money, but yet it was, it was always there. And you know why? It's not rocket science. It's because I thought about people. Right. I just, I just love people, right? And, but you start focusing on the wrong thing, and you are going to become what you think about, right? And so I, fortunately, I love people. I think about people. I want to help people. I will bend over backwards to help people. People that I know that are consumed by money, it destroys them. Yep. It, they're never happy. They never have enough. They're never satisfied. And the people around them don't really want to be around them after a while. So this is why people over profit is the philosophy of our company. It's who we are. It's not what we act like. It's who we are. And so that's why we we do what we do. It's awesome being with you as always every week. And thank you so much for all that you do. Thanks for being a light in this dark world. We need it. And you guys are awesome. Thank you for all you do. Thank you. you. Have a great day. Have a great day. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Flyover Conservatives podcast with David and Stacey Whited. Please subscribe, hit the notification bell and leave us a comment below. Lastly, if you enjoyed today's podcast, share with those who came to mind. Be blessed and make it a great day.